0: Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Great to have you with me today on Truth Pod. I pray that you're walking in the favor of the Lord. If you are continually searching your scriptures, you will know if you are or not. Happy New Year. I know I'm a week late, Uh, did it come up on you as fast as it did me? It seemed like 2022 just flew by. I guess my dear old dad was right again. He said, the older you get, the faster the years go by. I buy that. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Please tell someone else about it too. It's the best way for it to garner more listeners. Always lead off with, it's free. That usually gets their attention. By doing so, you may help someone to come to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not that I'm anything, but maybe he can use TruthPod in some way or another. And, you know, when you do so, it's your connection to that person's uh, uh, route into eternity. Or that, that person's connection to Christ. You know, it's you doing something. You doing something to point them to a way to Jesus, you know. And uh, again, it's just another one of the many ways media helps us today in reaching the lost for Jesus. This, this podcast or other uh, podcasts that are out there telling people about Jesus. Uh, this work of putting this podcast out each week is uh, not for my recognition or for my glory, but I do it to point as many as will listen to Jesus. Just doing what John the Baptist did when he saw Jesus coming, he said to the crowd as he pointed at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. You can do it too to give it, to give it a try, right? And please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your your many, many wonderful blessings. Thank you for your faithfulness in our lives and always watching out for us and and being so good and kind to us, being a dear, dear father to us. Thank you for a new year, Lord God, and the prospects of new new things happening and wonderful things, especially for the kingdom of God. May there be more souls saved in this year, Lord God, than in any other era in our time. What a prayer, right, Father. What a request, but you can do it. There's nothing beyond you. There's nothing beyond your reach, Lord God, and and it is your desire to reach the lost. It's your desire to save, to save the lost. Thank you for saving us, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving the ones who listen, Lord God, who are saved, and for those saving those who are going to be saved, Father. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. This is study number eight in the series of Best News Ever. It's a study about the events that followed the crucifixion and how Jesus, the Good Shepherd, put his flock back together again, giving them purpose, power, and performance to leave his mark on the world. These followers of Christ has had their hearts ripped out of them by those who railed who nailed jesus to the cross you cannot possibly know this feeling until you have lost a loved one mom dad brother sister son or daughter it, it is it is hard very rugged very uh difficult i use the word ripped maybe torn out would be a better word or they're really synonymous i know they mean the same thing you know so bear with me jesus was taken away from them torn away ripped uh you know and um it was too soon it was just too soon they were only with jesus for three and a half years you know and so in, in their thinking and as would probably be ours it was too soon god was involved in the process you know he was involved in this process of Jesus' crucifixion. So was Satan. Satan was involved in this process. He wanted to see Christ nailed to the cross just because of his hatred for him. And so was man. Of course, for the same reason. Um, reason, uh, you know. So this was a necessary process. Even Jesus told his disciples this in John 16 and 7 in the English Standard Version. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What does this, what the disciples experience between the crucifixion and the resurrection is a testament to their love and devotion to him. The deeper we love, the closer we are, the greater the pain we will experience at separation. This is not for cowards. Remember how Mary felt when she first saw Jesus after his resurrection? She grabbed a hold on him and nearly refused to let him go. Her time of grieving for Jesus had come to an end. Then she shared with the disciples that they and that they saw him too. Their grieving came to an end. Well, at least ten of them anyway. Let's look at scripture. In John chapter 20, Verses 24 through 29 in the English Standard Version says this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, time for a roll call. Remember when they used to have that in school? The teacher would go down a list of names Tommy Clark? Here, teacher. Barbara Lim? Here, teacher. It was done each and every morning before class started to make sure everyone was present and accounted for. So let's do that here. Matthew 10:24 or 10:2 through 4 of the English Standard Version says this, "The names of the 12 apostles are these: first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother; James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother; Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddaeus, Simon, the zealot. These are the ten disciples gathered in that room with Je- when Jesus appeared to them. Besides the women, you know, who also were present. I purposely left out two names. One is quite obvious. His name is Judas. He is no longer alive after committing suicide when he betrayed Christ. So his name was uh, forever removed from the attendance roll. So you know he's not there. And I've said this before on a, in a previous episode that if Judas had not ended his life prematurely, and if he had repented of what he what he had done, he would have found grace and accepted acceptance back into the fold. I. I I strongly believe that. Thomas, that's the other name. Where is Thomas? I'm sure the thought had crossed the minds of the ten. Where can he be? He should be with us. John, have you seen him? Peter, have you seen him? No one knows where Thomas is. The name Thomas means twin in the Aramaic language. The Greek equivalent is Didymus. We do not know whose twin he was, but there are times when all of us seem to be his twin, when we consider our unbelief and depressed feelings. Doubt. My first point is this. Doubt separates us from one another. The twelve disciples had spent three and a half years together being mentored by Jesus, the new rabbi in Galilee. Now, I know the background of Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen, a common trade around the Sea of Galilee. Matthew was a tax collector, something that's quite common in all societies. Um, They have their own group of people that they hang around with. Thomas. I'm not sure what Thomas did for a living. Maybe he was a fisherman. And there's some indications that he might have been, or maybe he was a farmer. My point is this. Jesus brought together a group of men who represented various walks of life in that day. Try it sometime. It's hard to get a group of people together to do a project having such diverse backgrounds. The only way I could see the fishermen and tax collectors relating to each other would be with their fists. But since the gospel was to be taken to the whole world, people with different backgrounds would be invaluable. A farmer could start out talking about farming and end up talking about Jesus. Or a fisherman about fishing and turn to conversation about Jesus. In that time period, these men had become like brothers, sharing joy and laughter as well as hurt and sorrow with one another. They would even defend one another from peril because of the closeness they had but if one is missing we notice when it happens in our ranks have they been taken captive in their minds by doubts about their standing has the enemy been whispering in their ears lies that have caused them to stay away maybe thomas is upset with himself for not standing tall with jesus at one time he was willing to go and die with him in John chapter 11 verse 16 in the English standard version it says this so thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples let us go that we may die with him but how quickly he ran when faced with overwhelming odds at the garden he thought he had he thought he had it in him to face down anything for jesus it's a stark reminder to not put confidence in our abilities but remember in proverbs 3 5 and 6 in the english standard version trust in the lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths maybe thomas when he had seen that jesus was being arrested was the first one to bolt this is speculation on my part of course if he was he has doubts about where he fits into the group of men or even if they would welcome him back. Sometimes it only takes a few words to separate us. A word carelessly spoken, or at the wrong time, can cause us to do, to doubt our love and commitment to one another. Right now as I do this podcast, someone listening to me has found themselves separated from their loved ones because of doubt moving in and causing them to question a relationship that once was strong. He simply had not been with the other disciples, Thomas. He simply had not been with the other disciples when Christ appeared. He lost by not being faithful together with the rest. And so it is today in Hebrews 10, 25. It talks about, you know, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It doesn't matter how much we preach that people of God should go to church. They still doubt their attendance. Has much here or bearing on their lives, or has any impact on other believers. From the way Scripture reads it, it sounds as if the disciples found Thomas, or they went looking for him and found him. Jesus had appeared to them. Now it was time to strengthen the believers. Luke 22. 32 says this in the English Standard Version, But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Doubt separates us from Christ. Thomas had made a strong statement, Unless I see the scars in his hands, unless I thrust my hand into his side, pride demands its own proof at the cost of love why couldn't he just take the word of the other disciples were they not credible would they deliberately seek to mislead him are they playing some cruel joke like the rest of the disciples he saw him die and he knew from past experiences that death is final no one walks away from their tomb like he put a lot of confidence in what he saw All unbelief is unreasonable, obstinate, rebellious, prejudiced, presumptuous, insolent, and stubborn. I have heard people preach about this time in Thomas' life, and they try to spin it into a positive thing. This kind of ideology can be dangerous because it gives, gives credence to doubting Christ and his power. Did you know that the only time in Scripture that Jesus was prevented from working miracles was because people were filled with unbelief, motivated by unbelief, living a a life of doubt. This was the only time in Scripture that he couldn't go, and he had returned home, you know, to Nazareth, and he says he he couldn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. And I'll, I'll just read it here, okay? Matthew thirteen fifty eight says this in the King James Version. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Could that be the same reason he doesn't do many mighty works in our life? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm sure it's why he doesn't do more in my life. It's because of my unbelief. Because I, I think, well, he wouldn't do that. Or um, that's just something that can be taken care of, you know, Naturally, or whatever so therefore why would he intervene uh my unbelief causes me to not receive from the lord anyway let me move on doubts left unchecked can cause separation between us and christ because it calls into question who he is what he can do. James 1, 6-7 says this in the NIV, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Wow! That's strong, James. I mean, come on, man. You're, you're, uh, you're being a little extreme, aren't you? It sounds like, you know, don't you think? Uh, I mean, you know, if, you're, if you doubt, you're like a wave of the sea. You're blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is supposed to be a walk of faith. Our Christian walk is a walk of faith. We are to live by faith. The just shall live by their faith. The idea that James is promoting here is that doubt is contrary to our relationship with Christ, and only faith can eradicate that from our lives. Many times when Jesus healed someone, he said, Your faith has made you whole. Matthew 9.22 in the English Standard Version says this, Jesus turned, And seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made whole. She was made whole because of her faith in him, not her faith. See, don't stop at the faith. It's him, but it's faith in him that makes the difference. It's faith in Jesus that turns things around. It's faith in Jesus that saves the lost it's faith in Jesus that delivers us and breaks the chains of bondage in our lives it's faith in Jesus doubt wants to stop faith from operating doubt and faith don't operate together they do not work together doubt always works contrary to faith and faith always works contrary to doubt because faith believes God's able to do what God said he would do Faith likes to plan in your mind, well, did God really say that? Is that really God? Or is that just your imagination? Uh, You know, whatever. Doubt doesn't want us to believe God. Now, I don't know what your need is. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what you're you're going through at this very moment, moment, your battles, your hardship with your family, whatever it is. Doubt won't see you through it. Okay, doubt won't help you in it because doubt separates us from one another it separates us from one another and it separates us from the lord okay so we need to relinquish doubt and embrace faith embrace faith doubt separates us from blessing that's my third point doubt separates us from blessing this life of faith in christ produces blessings it cannot be helped it's a byproduct of the action it comes from thinking the right way about the right person jesus said this jesus said the enemy is come to steal to kill and to destroy now he's talking about the devil here he's talking about satan he's come to steal To kill and destroy. So if those things are going on in your life right now, it's not Jesus acting in your life. It's the enemy acting in your life. Jesus said this, but I have come that they might have life. Now, I want to just pause right there a second. Who's the they that he's talking about? He's talking about the sheep. He's talking about his sheep. He says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Okay? I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Oh man, I tell you, the, the enemy would like for us to just forget about that scripture. He would like to forget that God promised us an abundant life here in, in on this in on this planet full of this mess, full of these disasters? He's promised blessings for the child of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. The enemy wants to just get us to doubt it because it robs us of our blessings. Doubt robs us of our blessings. I don't know how many times I can say it, you know, And uh, but it's so true. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I was thinking about that word abundant. And so I thought, well, where else is that found? There's another scripture that says, He will abundantly pardon. And I thought, whoa. that's That means more than just a little bit, right? Abundantly? I mean, what's a limit on abundant? How, how can you limit abundant? If He will abundantly pardon, that means... He will do it a lot of times then, right? And that means he will, when he abundantly pardons, he means he completely pardons. Wow. Then I can believe that for myself. I can believe that for myself, right? I mean, if he will abundantly pardon me, then I can believe that he has completely forgiven all my sins and given me eternal life amazing so moving back to my other scripture i was talking about john 10 10 so if he uh wants to give us abundant life now i'm not talking about you know a house filled with toys i'm not talking about a garage filled with vehicles I, and you may have those things it may i mean See, God's not tied down to our little in the box here, God. You stay here and this is as far as you can go. God can do whatever God wants to do. And his abundant blessings comes in different ways. And they're all intended to draw us closer to him and remind us of his great love and to be shared with others. All of those things are tied in there too. You know, they're to remind us of his great love. God loves you. God's not your enemy. God is not against you. He is for you. He loves you. He cares about you. You're on his mind every single day. You and I, we're on his mind all the time. He's God. He can do that. I mean, you and I, we would break, okay? But <laughs> you're on his mind. You might be traveling down the road right now, and you got a heavy load on your heart, but God has you on his mind. You might be there working, you know, or you might be out jogging or whatever you're doing and you're listening to this podcast and you've got some struggles and you've got some things. But God, you know, has you on his mind because he loves you. So all we need to do is remember who he is and that he loves us. That he loves us. Doubt wants to rob us of those things. Doubt wants to make me think I'm in this all alone. I'm in this all by myself. I'm going through this all by myself. There is no other. But God is constantly there. He has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never, no, never, no, ever, never, never will I leave you. Wow. And he's basically put it that way in the Greek. You know, read it for yourselves. We need to remind ourselves he loves us. I'm his, I'm on his mind. He wants to abundantly bless his sheep abundantly. He wants us to have abundant life now, life. that life. I'm not being drugged through the gutter going to heaven through hell. You know, a lot of people think they're going going to heaven through hell, but listen, my friend, that's not the intent. That's not the intent. The disciples, when they suffered for Christ, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. They didn't look at one another and say, man, we're going through hell to get to heaven. No, no. See, that's the, that's the devil's way of thinking of things. God has called you to give you an abundant life, a life that says I'm in it with him. He's, oh, better, yeah, he's in it with me, with me." You know, so doubt wants to rob us of of blessings. Okay, Thomas. Let's get back to Thomas. Jesus, uh, or Thomas had come back with the disciples, you know, and now he's with the the group again. They had went and found him apparently. And so now he's back with the group and he's in the room with them. And, uh, you know, uh, Maybe they're breaking bread. I, I don't have no idea. Maybe they're just standing around talking. Um, uh, scripture doesn't say, and it's really not that important. But here's Thomas with them. He's in the right place now at the right time. See, he's back with, in the fold. He's back with the believers. Doubt one time separated him from the believers, and now he's back with the believers. Okay? So here's Thomas. And uh, Jesus had come into the room and here's, you know, Thomas seeing Jesus for the first time for Thomas. I mean, yeah, he's heard about it, but he had a hard time believing. He just couldn't shake what he had saw. And I, you know, I understand that part. I really do. He couldn't shake what he saw And, and it'd be easy to ride on him. So I don't want to ride on him anymore. It, it it was it was tough what he saw that that crucifixion that that what took place was horrible horrible you and i have never seen anything like that in our lives never and they cannot properly depict it on the movie screen or in the you know, on the tv or whatever but what he saw was ghastly you know and uh very very disturbing no doubt gave him nightmares and Here he's seeing the resurrected Lord for the first time. (laughs) Jesus says to him, because, you know, Jesus wasn't present with him when uh, Thomas had made the great statement, you know, hey, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail prints in his hands. I'm not going to believe unless I stick my hand in his side. You know, he wasn't with him, but he knew. He knew because he's God. And he says to Thomas, Thomas, look at my hands. Look at my hands. And I'm sure when Jesus showed him his hands, he saw probably holes or scars where it was healed. You know, he said, look at my hands. Behold my hands. And then he said to him, Thomas, take your hand and uh, stick it into my side. Here it is. Here's my side, Thomas. Go ahead, see it. It's real. Touch me, flesh and bone. Thomas, it don't say if he ever did th- these things. It it don't indicate that. It, rather, what it says, he was. It indicates he was astonished. You know, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus. Okay, and uh, so when he sees him, he just has a few words to say, "My Lord and my God." You know. <laughs> Oh, man, all the doubts just fell. <laughs> that doubt that kept him from the blessings, that doubt that separated him from the other believers, and that doubt that separated him from the Lord, and the doubt that kept him from the blessings were all tumbled down. They're gone. They disappeared. in that one moment, he saw Jesus, and he said, My Lord and my God. You know, and I I don't, I don't really think that uh, Jesus scolded him too hard. I think what Jesus said to him, Thomas, you believe because you see me. But he said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. I, you know, I don't know how the the words came out, how I I just read them, you know, I just read them. I believe he spoke it in love because he he constantly spoke to his disciples, his sheep in love. There were times he had to be stern with them and there's times he has to be stern with us. But I like what he said, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are they. See, the reason they're blessed because they don't require sight to see to believe rather they believe him he said it that was enough he said it Jesus spoke it that's enough for me I, I, I don't need any more evidence I don't need any more credibility I don't need any more backing I don't need any more supporters Jesus said it that's enough I believe it that's enough I, no more is necessary no more is needed beyond he said it if he said it then it's going to be done if he said it then it's true it's accurate i can i can uh bank on it i can put my whole heart in it and not lose so thomas my lord and my god if you want blessings in your life believe him read his book Credit him as being faithful, truthful. Acknowledge his past accomplishments and trust that he never changes. Never changes. Jesus never changes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was with you in the past, he will be with you now. He will be with you now. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is the best news ever. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask Him to forgive your sins. Third, thank Him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for Him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.